Listener Production. Welcome to State Crime Command. I'm Adam Shand. About 1.30am on Wednesday the 19th of December 2018, emergency crews were called to River Road Wanta Badgery, about 40 kilometres east of Wagga Wagga. A passing motorist had found a body on the road. The driver stopped to render assistance and discovered it was the body of a teenage boy, later identified as 15-year-old Braden Weldon, who lived with his family near this quiet country lane. He was the victim of an apparent hit and run on his birthday. Two years later, the case remains unsolved. The driver of the vehicle that killed Braden is still at large. The matter will go before the New South Wales coroner on March 30 and Police Strike Force Dunstable is appealing for the public's help to bring closure for Braden's loved ones. Wantabadgery is a quiet little village, a cluster of homes and a general store by the Murrumbidgee River. At the 2016 census, it had a population of just 187, 81 families living in 43 dwellings. And police have visited them all, at least twice since 2018. My name's Detective Senior Constable Stan Wall. I'm from the Tumor Detective's Office. I've been in the police for 36 years and I've been a um, detective for 30 of those years. And how long have you been working this case for? Well, I was here the night that it occurred, so from the 18th of December 2018 through the present day, I've been looking after it. What was the scene like that night? It was very, very quiet. As you know, it's a quiet, isolated piece of roadway. It was quite moonlit. There was no fog around or anything like that. The road was clear, sort of very eerie coming to a quiet country road and having police lights flashing everywhere. We had a motorist was travelling home from night shift along the road and he come across Braden's body on the road as he was heading home. And Braden's body was in the middle of the road? That's right. This road does get used during the daytime a fair bit, but of a night time it's a quiet road and it may have been possible that Braden was laying on the road for some hours. So who would be travelling this backcountry lane at night? It's a very, very quiet piece of road. We come out on the second anniversary of Braden's death and sat here just to see what vehicle movement there was. We spoke to one car in five hours. Apart from the local movements in the area, what would be the purpose of other vehicles visiting here? Obviously, you've got Sandy Beach, which is just up the road. That's used by caravanners a lot. It's a very popular area on the Murrumbidgee River. The road's also used by apiarists moving bees. There's a lot of hay for stock feed and that type of thing, as well as generally it's a grazing area, so there's movement of stock between sale yards as well as abattoirs and properties. Stan Wall has an open mind on what happened that night, but new forensic evidence points to a heavy vehicle. Well, we've had a biomechanical engineer do an examination of the scene of the accident as well as examination of post-mortem results and things like that and it's his opinion that due to the injury suffered by Braden that it was a heavier vehicle and that it's more than likely that that vehicle was fitted with some sort of protrudence at the front being a bull bar or something similar. 
This information was released on the second anniversary of the incident. Police suspect that the vehicle involved in the collision is likely to be a larger vehicle in the medium rigid to heavy vehicle range, fitted with a bull bar and was travelling down River Road, away from town. Well, the road comes down through a um, decline, a couple of curves in it, and then just prior to the site of the collision, the uh, road actually comes around to the left and then straightens and it was approximately two to 300 metres along that straight where um, Braden was struck. Yeah, we have a, a pretty good straight, wide section of road, no problem with visibility. It's a straight piece of road. As they straighten up out of that corner, there would be no reason why you wouldn't see someone on the roadway. Right, we've just passed the accident scene now. There's only a couple of trees here. I mean, it's possible he was behind a tree and ran out for whatever reason. But that's the only, only circumstance? Well, that obviously could be a circumstance. I won't know until the person that was driving the vehicle that struck him comes forward and tells us the exact circumstances of what happened. Yeah, because it's on their conscience for life. That's exactly right. Was there any evidence on the road that there'd been an attempt to stop braking or anything like that? No, no, there's nothing like that. If they did stop at all, the driver of the vehicle did not render assistance to Braden or call triple zero. They drove off into the night. I think that will be the hardest thing to take. Accidents do happen. People are killed on the road every day and it's a tragic thing. But the manner of his death and his abandonment must stick with the family forever. Um, Yes, and I think that is probably the, the, the major thing to it. As you said, accidents do occur. However, for how he was just left on the roadway, I think is the, the big question that the family has, not only of who has done it, but just why that was done in that fashion. At the place where Braden was killed, family have made a memorial that speaks to their gentle son's simple and happy life. You can see his lifestyle pretty much encapsulated here. A couple of hats, a rabbit trap and a fishing line. And that pretty well sums up Braden's life. He was just starting to come into his own. He was working on properties, just starting to do a bit of work around properties, doing general farmhand type stuff, working in shearing sheds and things like that. So what do we know of Braden's movements? He lives over here by the river. Yep, they've got an on-site van on a well-known property. They've been living there for some years. Braden often wandered the hills that you can see around us at the moment as well as on the property itself. One of Braden's favourite things was to go fishing and having such easy access to the Murrumbidgee River from his property. He was often catching yellowbelly from out of the river here. And as we come down onto the low-level bridge at Mandalo here, Braden's favourite little beach to fish off is just on the other side of the river there. And from all accounts, he spent long time sitting on the little beach and inlet there where the cockatoos are sitting. Yeah, lovely spot. The river's high at the moment and looks absolutely beautiful. What a great place for a young man to spend a a few hours fishing. And um, it is. He did have a simple life, but he also had a life that probably a, a lot of people would enjoy just carefree and roaming you know the rural country area.
So why was Braden walking on River Road that night? He was celebrating his 15th birthday, did a little bit of stock work with his stepfather, and following on from that, he's retired to one of the sheds to have something to eat and possibly a couple of drinks. And his movements after that aren't really well known, except that he's located at one o'clock in the morning, two kilometres from his house on the road. Braden was last seen at home around 7.30pm. One theory was that he wanted to visit his great-grandmother, who lives in Wantabadgery. He may have been on his way to see her, um, but as you're aware, it's a fair walk between the collision site and um, Wantabadgery. The last motorist known to have used River Road passed through sometime between 9 and 9.30pm and saw nothing. So there's a gap of about four hours in the timeline of the investigation. And officers are again knocking on doors in Wantabadgery and the district. We're now doing a whole new line of inquiries, trying to identify vehicles that may use the roadway that fit that description. We recently carried out a full canvas of the old Hume Highway and River Road again, going to every property in the area and examining any heavy rigid or semi-trailers that are on properties. So that line of inquiry is still continuing. Do you think it's possible you may have already spoken to the perpetrator? It's definitely a possibility. Just the design of the road would lead me to think that it's someone from not necessarily just want a badgery, but from the local area. It can be used as a, a source of transport between the towns of Tumblong, Gundigai, across to Junee, also to, you know, obviously Wantabadgery, Nangus. So although it's not always used often, it is a road that is a connecting road between towns and various locations. What would be your message to someone who may be listening to this who has information or indeed maybe the person who was on that road that night? My message would be is just come forward with um, any piece of information you have. If you know what happened that night, the world and family, they're still looking for answers as to what happened and, and why Braden was left on the side of the road like he was. If you're the perpetrator, come forward. I think in some respects it may even do that person well to come forward and speak to us because I wouldn't like what happened two years ago being on my conscience for the rest of my life. The driver involved was likely to be at the wheel of a larger vehicle in the medium rigid to heavy vehicle range and with a bull bar fitted. On March 30, the New South Wales coroner is holding an inquest into Braden Weldon's death in Wagga Wagga. Anyone with information is urged to contact police or Crime Stoppers on 1800 333 000. All communications will be treated with utmost confidentiality. State Crime Command is produced in collaboration with the New South Wales Police Force and Real Crime Australia. Written and produced by Adam Shand. Executive producer, Grant Tothill. Original music and mixing by Matt Nikolic. The associate producer is Sarah Grinberg. Research by Nolly Way Shand. Digital producer, Jack Shand. Listener.